0: Jane, for sharing that music with us. It's so inspiring to hear good music and to hear it played so well. I, I hope that there might be some young people out there who hear music like that and say, I want to learn to play the piano. And uh, I, I would just encourage you to, to do that, to set that as a goal for yourself. And you don't have to be a young person. You might be, uh, well, my father in law was taking piano lessons not too long ago. And um, you, it, it, you can start at any age. But it is, it is a real blessing to, to be able to, to know an instrument and to know music and to be able to share that with others. Thank you, Jane. I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter uh, 34 of Psalms this morning Psalm 34. We're not going to be able to look at the entire Psalm today, but I want to focus in on the first fourteen verses, so we'll take the first two thirds or so of Psalm chapter thirty four. I'll give you a minute to turn there and I'm gonna actually have there we go. Have some slides for us today. But let me read it first, Psalm 34, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And this is a Psalm of David. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray that as we encounter your word, you will allow us to know in a special and important way that you are here and that you are good. Awaken in us that sense Today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our theme verse for this message is on the screen there, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That the Lord is good. And, you know, I think most people will say that they believe in God at least if you're coming to church on a regular basis, you probably would say that you believe in God. And you'll maybe even sing some of the songs and, and join with us in the prayers because you would say that God is there. And yet, the question I have is, can you taste and see that the Lord is good? Because that's something different, isn't it? You see, we have the five physical senses, and we learn about those in science class when we were going to school as children. We learn about the sense of of sight or the sense of hearing, the sense of taste and, and smell and touch. These are the five senses by which we can know the physical world around us. And yet, the psalmist here seems to be speaking of something more, a, a, a spiritual sense, a sense by which we can know that God is there. And not only that God is there, but God is good. And the truth is, most people don't really have much of this sense about the presence and the goodness of God. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, says this. He says, to most people, God is an inference, not a reality. He is a deduction from evidence which they consider adequate, but he remains personally unknown to the individual. He must be, they say, therefore we, we believe he is, Or others do not even go so far as this. They know of him only by hearsay. They've never bothered to think the matter out for themselves, but have heard about him from others and have put belief in him into the back of their minds, along with various other odds and ends that make up their total creed. You get what he's saying there? That there are many, if not most, who who just believe that there must be a God, and so we're going to live like there's a God, but they don't really sense the presence or the goodness of God. Many just assume that if he is hidden to our five senses, if we can't really see him, if we can't really hear him or touch him, then then maybe uh, he's not really to be known. And we just kind of wander through this life as if we're sort of in the darkness and if we're, we're, we're just going in the silence, imagining that he is there, assuming that at some point in the next life we'll see it all come together. It's kind of like what the uh, French philosopher Voltaire once said, and don't get your theology from Voltaire. But he said, if God did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him. If God did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him. So many think, well, I don't really know that God is there, but I I guess I'd better believe in him. God calls us to something more. God calls us to something richer, something fuller, something deeper that we can truly experience to taste and to see the Lord is good. So in the time that we have here, I want to address four questions. Let's see if, okay, that's me. I got to turn this on. Um, First, what does it really mean to taste and see that the Lord is good? The psalmist is going to help us with that. And there's some other things in Scripture that help us as well. What does it mean? Second, when? When are we going to taste and see that the Lord is good? And then number three, How will we continue to taste and see that the Lord is good? How will we um, experience this over the long haul in real life? So these are the three questions we're going to take some time with here today. And I want to start with the first one. What does it mean to taste and to see that the Lord is good? Um, Verses 4 through 7 of this psalm help us with that question. Because here the psalmist describes this sense that he has. Look at it again with me. He says in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me. From all my fears. The psalmist has this this spiritual sense, this ability to know that God is there and that God is good because he has experienced the Lord's deliverance from fear, he says in verse 4. He has been in some difficult situations, he has been through trials, he has faced stuff that he didn't want to have to face, and yet he found that God was with him. God delivered him and brought him through. This is one way in which he senses, he knows, and can taste and see that the Lord is good. What else does it mean to taste and see? Well, look at verse 5. He says, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Um, Let's see here, where am I at? Okay, so we're looking at... Verses four through seven. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. He's experienced shame in the past, but he has found forgiveness. He has found new life. He's able to shine in the Lord's presence without shame. Because he tastes and sees that the Lord is good. So there's something in this ability of knowing that we've been forgiven, of knowing that we've been cleansed and and made whole and made new, that that is part of that sense, tasting and seeing. He also says in verse 6 that he's able to enjoy the Lord's provision. Look at verse 6. It says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. He, He says, I was I, I needed. I, I had want. I didn't have all that, that that I wanted, and I cried out, and the Lord provided. The Lord answered me. So this sense comes when we recognize that the Lord is the one who provides for us when we have need, when we are poor, and when we cry out to Him. And verse 7, he, he finds this. Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good in the rest that He has in the Lord's security. Verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. This idea that the Lord provides us security, that He is literally encamped around us, that He is protecting us, that He is our shield. This is part of the tasting and the seeing that the Lord is good. But you notice this psalmist, we didn't get to verse 18, but I'm just going to jump there for a second. Not everything is good in this psalmist's life. I mean, he's mentioned that he's been poor, he's been fearful, he's got enemies, he's been shamed, but yet the Lord has provided for him. Verse 18 also says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. In the midst of his trials and his struggles and his brokenheartedness and even being crushed in spirit, nonetheless, he is finding in the midst of this that the Lord is good. He can see the goodness of the Lord. Elsewhere in Scripture, we also see this affirmation of this spiritual sense. The Apostle Paul a number of times, refers to this. In Romans chapter 8, he he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's that spiritual sense we have in our spirit, that God's spirit speaks to our spirit, affirming to us this truth that God is good. And then out of that witness of the spirit comes those great verses that that Stephanie just shared with us this morning. From the end of chapter 8, Verses 38 and 39 where it says, I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That it's the witness of the Spirit to our spirit in our spiritual sense that we can know this promise to be true. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul says this in Colossians 1 verse 9. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This idea of spiritual wisdom and understanding is something special that God gives to us in our spirit to know, to taste, to see that he is good. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So he's contrasting there the natural person that lives only by those five senses that we spoke of and and cannot really sense the presence of the Lord, but these truths that are spiritually discerned are imparted to us. By God, and, and he's praying that we would know this more and more. So the psalmist affirms this. Paul affirms this. And Jesus came to give us this. You think about all the, all the, um, the miracles Jesus did. What, that we read about in, in scripture, how he, he, he healed the blind. Their sight. He healed the leper, and leprosy is a disease of of the inability to have that sense of touch. He he healed those senses, and you know, those physical healings are, are symbolic in many respects of the spiritual sense that he seeks to restore in us. So the blind see, the lepers can now touch, the lame can walk. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says, my sheep, hear my voice. In Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Notice all the sense words he's using here to describe what he has come to do for us, to help us see, to help us hear, to help us know that he is good. And the, the, the best example of all, I think, in this comes at the end of chapter Luke, uh, of the book of Luke, chapter 24, Jesus has resurrected from the dead, but the disciples don't realize what's happened, and he's on the road to Emmaus, and he's talking to two of these disciples who don't even know that it's Jesus. They don't recognize him. And he's opening up the scriptures to them, and he's reading to them and explaining to them how he, his life has fulfilled the promises of scripture. And then at verse 32 of Luke 24, the disciples suddenly realize and they say this, they say, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Their hearts were burning within them in the presence of Jesus as they became aware of who he was, that he was there. And it's interesting how he was hidden to them physically. Physically. You would have thought they'd have seen him and recognized him. You'd have thought they'd have heard his voice and and understood who it was. But it wasn't until the spiritual sense was awakened and their hearts burned, then they knew that he was there, that he was good. So this is what it means to haste and to see the Lord is good, to have the spirit witness to our spirit, to have Christ, open our hearts through His Word, that our hearts burn within us that He is good. So, now the next question I have is when? When are we going to taste and see that the Lord is good? And to answer that, I want us to first think about His grace, because this is about God's grace to us. We've got to keep that clear right from the beginning. That God's grace is always what brings us to our senses. And that without God's grace, our sense uh, of the spirit is dead. And we must be made alive again. We must be made alive by his grace so that we can sense, uh, not even first his presence, but just our need, our brokenness, our, our sinfulness, our dependence upon him for mercy and grace and forgiveness. So it's his grace that that awakens us. It's his grace then that reveals to us who Jesus is, that Jesus Christ has come, that he has died for us, that he has risen again, that we start to put the pieces together and recognize this gospel truth, this good news, that God's grace awakens in us the ability to know what Jesus did for us. And then it's his grace that empowers us to trust him, to walk in this way, to live in this way. It's his grace that gives us the ability from beginning to end. But I want us to notice now what the psalmist has to say as well. Verses 9 and verse 11 of Psalm 34. He says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. And then in verse 11, Come, O children, listen to me, I will teach you The fear of the Lord. When will we taste and see that the Lord is good? When we learn to fear him with a reverent fear. Not the fear of of terror that we're, we're still condemned, but the fear of awe and respect. If we don't have that, don't expect to taste and see his goodness. Because we recognize his goodness when we recognize his mercy. And we recognize his mercy when we recognize our need. And we recognize our need when we see how great and awesome he is. And we have that fear and respect of of him. But the psalmist adds in verse 10 that we will seek him in his word. Verse 10 says, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord... Lack no good thing. When will we taste and see that he is good? When we seek him. When we pursue him. So that as the psalmist says in 119, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Can we taste and see the word of God as good? As sweet honey in our mouth. (coughs) Remember, In Luke 24, it was when Jesus opened the scriptures to them, to the disciples, that their hearts burned within. It's when we seek the Lord in his word, whether it's by reading it, whether it's by studying it with a group of others, whether it's by hearing it preached and proclaimed. I hope that sometimes you come here on Sunday mornings and you hear the word and you become encouraged and enlivened. You can say, I can taste it. It's sweet. It's good. Time spent in God's word will sharpen this sense in us more than anything else and more than you realize. Just being in the scriptures consistently over the long haul cultivates this sense and we get more and more attuned to it. Just the sense of being in the presence of something teaches us about it more than we realize. And I want to give a little illustration of this. I saw this about a, there was an art teacher, and I think it was the University of Northern Iowa, who in starting out the art course each semester, would on the first day of class give all the students in the class a lemon, okay? Didn't explain what it was for, just said, here's a lemon, and each person in the class got one, and then the teacher said, I want you to keep this lemon with you, wherever you go, whatever you do, always just... Have that lemon with you. Students are all like, oh, this is really strange. Why are we doing this? Well, they met again for class a couple days later. So I think a couple days had passed, and they had spent two days now with their lemon. And the teacher put a grocery bag on the desk in front of them and said, all right, I want everybody to come and put your lemons in the bag. Turn them in. Okay, well, fine, turn them in. And then, once all the lemons had been turned in, the teacher turns the bag over, dumps the lemons out on the table, and tells them, okay, now come find your lemon. Nearly everyone in the class knew which lemon was theirs. Why? Because they'd been carrying that thing around for two days. They knew the, 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 the different shapes and the odd peculiarities of that lemon. It was simply having it with them got them to know it. And, and isn't there a truth there about God's word and being in, uh, with God's word and just having it a part of our lives day in and day out? We get to know it more deeply than we realize. And we can sense it and, and, and affirm it more than we recognize. So um, we seek the Lord in his word. Next, when we keep our tongues from evil and our lips from deceit, we will taste and see that the Lord is good. Verses 12 and 13 speak of this. The man is there who desires, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. If we strengthen the sense by receiving God's word, then we also will diminish the sense by misusing our words. If we lie and if we uh, do not speak truth and if we use our tongues for the wrong purposes, it will destroy our ability to taste and to see that the Lord is good. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 speaks of liars when it says their consciences are seared that when we lie our conscience becomes seared and no one whose conscience is seared will be able to taste or to see that the lord is good it's as if they've burned their tongues and have lost that ability to know and to taste so we must be very careful with our words and with the truth in our hearts and then finally fourth when we turn from evil and pursue peace. Look at verse 14. He says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. If we dwell on evil, if we take pleasure in the downfall of others, if we, if we drive division, then we're not going to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. But if we turn from evil, if we pursue peace, if we, if we do good, then we will know and taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Now, number three, how will we continue? How will this become something that we uh, can live over the long haul of life? This idea of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. You know, I, I, we all know about the loss of senses now, don't we? The sense of taste and the sense of smell. How many of you can't smell or taste right now? Some of you? Some of you are still waiting to get that sense back. Um, and you know, it's true of our spiritual lives as well. We, I don't want to give the wrong impression here. We go through spells when we lose that sense. The greatest saints of all have had those times when they just cannot taste and see the goodness of the Lord as they would like to. And that doesn't mean there's necessarily something wrong. I mean, there could be. Certainly if we've, if we've uh, done some of the things we just talked about by living in lies or by failing to, to live in God's word, then we're not going to taste and see. But there's, there are times when you could be seeking the Lord faithfully and yet still experience this sort of spiritual COVID of sorts. But nonetheless... I think on the whole, God is faithful in sustaining us as we apply the first three verses of this psalm. Psalm 34, now I want you to look at verse 1. When we praise him continually, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When we praise him continually, we will continue to taste and see that he is good. But it must be something that is uh, continued in our lives consistently, day by day, week by week, praising his name. And that taste just gets better and better. Secondly, when we praise him confidently, when we praise him confidently, verse 2, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. You know, it's good for Christians to boast. We should be the most boastful people in the world. But we boast not in ourselves, but we boast in the Lord. Our confidence is in the Lord. And when we boast of Him and speak well of Him and praise Him, then we will taste and see more and more His goodness. And then finally, when we praise him corporately, when we praise him corporately, verse three says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You see, it's together with me and let us exalt his name together. We don't do this alone. We do this as one body we do this in community and i hope you're getting the theme here you're starting to see how this connects to where we were last week and the week before and the week before that this is something that we share together as the body of christ remember hebrews chapter 10 i haven't forgotten it and i hope you haven't either verses 24 and 25 let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We do this together. We magnify the Lord together, and as we do that, we taste and we see that the Lord is good. I want to share a little letter that I got in the mail this week. Um, Just, you need to hear this. It's, It's addressed to our church family, so I'm pretty sure it's safe for me to share um, dated this February, and it comes from Darlene Smith. And many of you know who Paul and Darlene Smith are. But um, she writes this. She says, Miss all of you, our friends in the Lord! Exclamation point. As I sit at my desk on this bright, sunny day, and look out my window at snow and birds huddling in our trees. I have a grateful heart for a loving Father, all capital letters, to whom I can pray. And I thank him for 70 special years with a man who learned to bow his knees. They celebrated their 70th anniversary on, uh, on Thursday, in case you hadn't heard. And then she says, to a God who does all things well. And all those words are underlined. He, big circle around, he, has blessed and kept us all these years. All glory to him. Two exclamation points, three lines under all those words. Can you taste and see that the Lord is good to a dear saint like Darlene? And when you hear a word like that, does it not encourage you as well? As we magnify the Lord together. I mean, the, the, the very way she wrote this just magnifies the Lord, doesn't it? Underlining, circling, capital letters. She wants God's name to magnify. And this is an incredible accomplishment. Anybody who is married for 70 years ought to boast But notice what she's boasting in here. She's boasting in the Lord. And what a wonderful thing to do. I am so encouraged when I see people like this and when I see us coming together and praising the Lord together. That's how we taste and how we see. How we know that the Lord is good. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will strengthen in each of us that sense today. And Lord, if some are struggling with some spiritual COVID right now, I pray that you will will heal that sense and help them taste and see again that you are good. And Lord, if some are battling with sin in their lives because they have given in to to deceit, they have given in to temptations, they have allowed um, pride to control their hearts, Father, I pray that you will free them from that. By your grace, help them to taste and to see again that you are good. And Lord, for those who have been isolated and alone and feeling cut off and and, and experiencing in the midst of that a a spiritual darkness and a silence, I pray that together they they will find with us as a community the life that you give and that that sense will awaken joy, and gladness. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.